there's a term in prisons that when inmates are walking their last journey before they're to be executed and you can hear the chains rattle and you will hear inmates from the cells cry out dead man walking dead man walking when people see you and when they see me walking they should go dead man walking welcome to simple truths for life with charles tapp here we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles you can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. Your walk with God is not about perfection. And today, Charles Tapp begins the series, Back to the Bible, by sharing how a little-known character in the Bible walked with God and how you, too, can have the same walk. In his message, Dead Man Walking. As many of you are probably already aware, recently the History Channel presented a mini-series on the greatest story that was ever told, the Bible. How many of you got a chance to see at least some of that? Now, regardless of your views as to how accurate it was or how accurate, inaccurate it wasn't, simply put, this, this series on the Bible brought millions of America back to the Bible. And today we begin a series that I too have titled Back to the Bible. And the purpose of this series is to revisit stories that may be familiar to some and not so familiar to others with the hopes that we too will be drawn back to this life-changing book, God's Holy Word. And by bringing us back to the Bible, my prayer is, dear friends, that it will inevitably bring our hearts and our lives back to God. Amen? And I've decided to begin this series, not with one of the great stories of the Bible that we have seen depicted either on screen or written about in books, but rather I have chosen to begin with a story that might be viewed by some as a very obscure place to begin such a series of this magnitude, and that is with the story of the life of Enoch. Now, I'm sure some of you are probably wondering, why in the world would I choose the story of Enoch? Why not something more spectacular like the creation story or the story of the Exodus. At least talk about one of the Bible heroes like David or Abraham and Esther. At least begin with someone that has enough written about them that they can fill at least one page of scripture. Because when you read the story, the account of Enoch, it doesn't even fill a page. It doesn't even fill half a page. But the story of Enoch begins in Genesis chapter 5. But before his name is even mentioned, you first have to wade through 20 verses of Adam's genealogy. 20 verses of so-and-so begot so-and-so, and that so-and-so begot another so-and-so. Genealogies for many Christians are that part of scripture that are usually try to skip over so that you can get to the quote-unquote good part. How many of you have ever done that? You skip over the genealogies and you go straight to the good part. Raise your hand. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. I know it's you. 
But as boring as these genealogies may appear, I believe that they serve a very important purpose. First of all, I believe that they help to remind us that our days, our time on this earth is what? Limited. See, you and I think, and we try to ignore that our days are going to be cut off and we live our lives many times as if there is no end, but these genealogies remind us that our lives do have an end, that there is a beginning, a middle, and the end, but they also serve to remind us whether we want to admit it or not, you and I are connected in some way. We may act as if we're an island. We may want to be the one, only one on the island, but the genealogies remind us that you and I are connected whether we want to be connected or not. When my children were little, they had no problem wanting to be associated with me. But the older they got, the further and further they would stand with me when we were walking together in a crowd or in a group. Genealogies remind us that we're connected, that we're not out there by ourselves, that we're in this thing together. Who says amen to that? They remind us, dear friends, that there was a time when we didn't exist. There was a time when we did exist, but it also reminds us that there's going to be a time when we won't exist. I believe by including this account of Enoch, dear friends, as small and inobscure as it may appear, is God's way of reminding us that the little things in life are important. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 5. I want to take a look at this story of Enoch. Genesis 5. As we look at verses 21 to verse 24, the Bible says, And Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God And he was not, for God took him. That's all. That's all the entire Old Testament has to say as it relates to this man called Enoch. And if that's it, why include it in Scripture at all? I believe that by including this account of Enoch, it is God's way of saying, listen, you don't have to live a superstar life to be recognized by me. You know, there are a lot of superstar Christians in our world today. For the church is producing these superstars. They even give their autographs at various places and various venues. But God is saying today, when it comes to my people, there are no superstars. Everybody counts. That's another purpose for the genealogies. Everybody counts. And all it says of this prophet Enoch is that he walked with God. That was his claim to fame, not that he preached for a hundred years or or not that he baptized a thousand people or not that he parted the Red Sea. His claim to fame was that he walked with God. 
And to add to that, that God took him. And he was no more. But that even takes a back seat because in Genesis 5, verses 21 to 24, it only mentions once that he was taken, but it mentions twice that he walked with God. It says that Enoch lived 365 years, but it also mentions here that his walk with God didn't really begin until he was 65 years old when he became a father. Do you know studies have shown us that when you become a parent, something about parenthood that resurrects your spiritual life. I've seen it in my own ministry of pastoring some 30 some odd years. I've seen people who have strayed away from God, strayed away from the church, and they begin to come back. But when they come back, they have a a child in their arms or a child holding by the hand. Because when you become a parent, you look at life differently, don't your parents? And you begin to understand that in the life of that child, you are the first God they will ever know. Enoch recognized that he's now God to Methuselah. So now he begins his walk with God. But here's the real question that needs to be asked in regards to the life of Enoch. And that is this. Is there a relationship between his walk with God and the fact that God took him? Please stay with me. Because there are many people that believe that there is. But let me first explain what I mean when I say a walk with God. In scripture, whenever you see that phrase mentioned that someone had a walk with God, in essence, it's simply saying that they had a life's journey with God. And when you walk with God and and when you begin this journey with God, it is important to understand this one important point, and that is we may walk with God, but God does the leading, we do the following. That's why the Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And we've got to understand and we've got to agree that if we're going to walk with God, God leads, I follow. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, but acknowledge God in all your ways. Walk with God in all your ways and he will direct your path. Sometimes we act as if we're the ones doing the directing, but God in this walk is the one that's doing the leading. And because this is the case, dear friends, there are times in my walk, times in our journey with God, listen, that we will not understand where God is taking us or why he is taking us to a certain place. Have you ever been there? I'm sure that many of you have been taken to the wilderness. And that wilderness place that God takes us to is a place where he has stripped us of all the things that we have been accustomed to depending on. Sometimes God takes us to a wilderness where we can't count on things nor people. He took Jesus to the wilderness. He took his people, the Israelites, into the wilderness, and they had to trust him for everything. Sometimes God takes you to the wilderness where all you will have to trust and depend on is his word. 
That's why Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word. That's all he had in the wilderness was the word of God. And if you're going to follow God, if you're going to walk with God, sometimes he's going to take you to the wilderness. You won't even have a leaf to pull off a plant. Sometimes God will take you to the places of still waters. We love the still waters. That's where everything is calm. The children are acting like they have some sense. The bills are being paid on time. And everything is just smooth, just calm, just peaceful. But guess what? If God takes you to the still waters, He's not going to leave you there. He's just giving you a respite for where he's about to take you. Because sometimes God takes you to a table and gives you a seat. But he doesn't tell you that he's reserved a place for all of your enemies to sit there as well. So he's giving you those still waters to get you ready. The point I'm trying to make is this. If we're going to walk with God, we've got to understand that it is God who does the leading in our lives. You and I simply follow. But the encouraging thing about walking with God, regardless of where he may take us, is the fact that we are with God. Who says amen? Because if God takes you to the wilderness... He takes you there for a purpose. God will never take you anywhere that he doesn't see will ultimately be in your best interest or my best interest. Sometimes God's got to take you to the place of pain. And it may even be pain that you will find in the word of God that once you read it, it's going to start pruning you. But that's what a walk with God does. Sometimes God's going to lead you behind bars. Sometimes God's going to place you in a hole. But wherever God places you, you can be encouraged that he is there with you. You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Dead Man Walking. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this. I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in his grace and breathing out his praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged. To get more encouraging content, go to WGTS919.com. 
This is Simple Truths for Life, and your walk with God is not about perfection. But when you discover what God has done in your life, it changes your walk. As he concludes his message, Dead Man Walking. Now there are those who believe that the reason why Enoch was taken, and in the Greek it it says, it gives the impression that he was just snatched, that, that he just, he was and then he wasn't. He just disappeared. There's some that believe that he was taken because this was God's way of rewarding him for living a perfect life. They believe that this phrase that he walked with God means that it was a walk of perfection. Please stay with me this morning. If that's what this means, that when we walk with God, it's a walk of perfection, then there's a problem, dear friends, because Genesis tells us that Noah walked with God and Noah was far from perfect. He had a problem with alcohol. But yet it says Noah walked with God. Abraham says, the Bible says he walked with God and and he had issues of lying. Adam walked with God and we know his problems. But didn't Jesus say, Pastor, that, that we are supposed to be perfect even as our heavenly father who is in heaven is perfect? That's exactly what he said. But what does that mean? Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, to one of the most distorted passages in all of Scripture. That's why I'm going to take a minute just to look at it today. You can do further study on it when you go home. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48. How many of you have heard this passage before? Be ye perfect. You've heard this? This is what I want you to do. Count how many times in these few verses is the word love mentioned. Will you do that for me? Just count. Let's go. You have heard that it was said, you shall what? Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who do what? Curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, For he makes his son, the S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just as well as what? The unjust. Look at verses 46 to 48. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, What do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Here's the verse that just throws everybody off. Verse 48. Therefore, in other words, based on everything I just said, be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. How many times was the word love mentioned? Four times. How many times was the word or the phrase to be sinless mentioned? I I just check it. So in these five verses, love is mentioned four times. Do good, that's also loving. So you can add another one. Five times it's referencing how we treat one another. And Jesus gives us examples as to how God does it. God allows the blessings of his son and of his reign to fall on the good, the bad, and the ugly. So be perfect. In other words, be complete like your father is perfect. Don't be discriminative in the way that you love. 
it's not talking about walking sinlessly at all. It's talking about how you love. Some of us will only love conditionally. Jesus says love like God. God loves his friends and God loves his enemies. Now be complete in your love and do the very same thing. As we read earlier, Enoch didn't even walk with God his entire life. For 65 years of his life, he didn't walk with God. It was only the last 300 years. And I thought that number 365 was interesting. Could that just be by chance? 365. Well, you and I may not live 365 years, but we live 365 days out of every year. And basically what that's saying to us, there's times in our lives that our walk with God will not be in step with God. And that's the same way it was with Enoch. For 65 years, his walk was not in step with God. It's not talking about perfection at all. So what is this walk with God really all about? Let's go to Hebrews, because Hebrews also talks about Enoch. And Enoch here and his walk is even made more clear. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and verse 6. Look at what the Word of God says. By faith. By what? Did it say by a sinless life? By faith, Enoch was taken. Why was he taken? Because of his faith. Stay with me. By faith, he was taken so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. What was the testimony? He pleased God. So he was taken because he pleased God. Now here's the clincher. Don't miss this. How do we please God? Look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God, he who walks with God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that do what? Diligently seek him. So when it says Enoch walked with God, it wasn't saying that he had a perfect sinless walk with God. It wasn't a walk of perfection. It was a walk of faith. And I'm so glad for that today because if it was was a walk of perfection, close the doors of the church. Nobody better understood this, in my opinion, than the Apostle Paul. For when you read Romans chapter 7, you see the civil war that is going on in Paul's soul. For in Romans 7, Paul says, listen, the things I want to do, somehow I don't always do them. The things I don't want to do, those are the things sometimes that I find myself what? Doing. But yet Paul had a transformational experience on the road to Damascus. But yet his walk with God was not always what? In step with God. But it was always a walk of faith in God. Look at this quotation from the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm sure many of you are familiar with his I Have a Dream speech. We know that speech. But how many of you are familiar with this speech titled Unfulfilled Dreams? It was given 
a month before he was assassinated. Let's take a look at this quotation here. He says, in the final analysis, God does not judge us, what? By the separate incidents or the separate mistakes that we make, but by what? The total bent of our lives. In other words, in the direction that we are walking. God knows that his children are weak and they're frail. In the final analysis, listen, what God requires is that your heart is what? Right. Salvation isn't reaching the destination of absolute morality, for if that were the case, none of us could be saved. But it's being what? In the process and on the right road. Many people have thought that Enoch was translated because his walk was perfect foolishness. It was not perfect. His faith was perfect. And his faith was in God. It's not a perfect walk. It's not a walk of perfection. It's a walk of faith in a perfect God. In essence, it's saying just because you stumble doesn't mean it's going to be a lifelong condition. You start off being imperfect. You will never be perfect. That's why Paul says, for by grace are we saved through our what? Faith. It doesn't say for by grace are we saved through our works. Well, pastor, are you making light of sin? No, I'm not making light of sin at all. I'm just letting you know that our works are not going to save us. It's our faith in God that gives us access to his amazing, marvelous grace. So whenever you read in scripture, so-and-so walk with God, it was not a walk of perfection. It was a walk of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So walking with God means walking by faith, but it also means that we walk with the word. Although Enoch didn't suffer a physical death, he died. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all those whose faith was joined with the fact that they died in the Lord, except for Enoch. But he did die. He didn't die a physical death. He died to himself. And if you and I are going to walk with God, it means God has to allow our lives to become dead to the world. And the only way our lives will become dead to the world and its culture is by the word of God. There's a term in prisons that when inmates are walking their last journey before they're to be executed, when they walk there with their chains on their hands and their feet, and you can hear the chains rattle, and you will hear inmates from the cells cry out, dead man walking. What are they saying? He may be physically alive, but really, he's dead. When people see you, and when they see me walking, they should go, dead man walking. Because he's walking not by his works, but by his faith in God. I take encouragement today that Enoch's walk wasn't perfect. 
but that his faith in God was. That's why Enoch is here. Because you and I need to know that it's our walk of faith that saves us and not our walk of works. We can't boast. We can't brag. It's a God thing. You've been listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Dead Man Walking. And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week. A womb is a place of life. It is a place of the living. But instead, what was life was dead. Next week, Charles Tapp continues with the second part of this series, Back to the Bible, by examining the life of Hannah, who found grace in the midst of her barrenness, with his message, barren but blessed. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life.